This is a special worship weekend. Due to licensing restrictions, we cannot post the music. Here's the speaking portion of the service. Amen, amen. Good morning. Good morning. I only play drums every five years, so you got a chance to see it this time. All right. Uh, I'll head back and play percussion here in a moment. I just want to welcome all of you. I tell you, man, it's good to be in the house of God. We have a time where we're going to be talking about worship and then doing more worship and understanding worship and doing a little more worship. But I would like to invite all of you that feel expressive to come forward. It can't just be these two ladies, right? So if you want to come forward, we're going to do two songs of just celebration. We'd love for you to come on up and dance before the Lord and enjoy yourself. So let's go right back to it as I pray for the morning. Heavenly Father, be glorified today. May this be a day where everything just rises up into the heavens and tells everyone on earth and above the earth that you are great and you're the King of Kings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's do it. Woo! Amen. Amen. Grab a seat wherever you can. We will be back to worshiping in just a few moments. We're just going to talk about a few things. Come on in, everybody. Find a seat. Man, this is like a crazy all-worship weekend, huh? Sounds good, yeah? Well, well, let's be talking about some of the things that are important to open up our hearts. I know that for some of you, uh, worship is your natural and easiest pathway to God. All right, just real quick, uh, show of hands. How many would say that that is easy for you? Worship is an easy way to communicate with God. All right, that is a huge amount of you, right? Uh, there's a bunch of you as well that are kind of like me, which are, we're thinkers, right? And so thinkers, a lot of times, because we're analytical, we need to know why. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we raising our hands? Why are we kneeling down? Why is that person dancing? Why is that person sitting? Why is that person with their eyes closed, right? And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I want to tell you right when we start out, because I want everyone on the same page, I want to start out by telling you just briefly what this is not. This is not, no matter any given weekend you come in here, unless you hear specifically different, this is not a presentation for observation. This is not, yeah, praise God. This is not a concert. This is not a presentation for observation. As a matter of fact, the band is trained to say we are worship leaders we are not a concert band. Therefore, when we go up there, the idea is what can we do to stimulate and grab you to come with us in order to celebrate the king? It is not a, man, could you just chill out and for a second I'm doing a guitar solo here. You know what I mean? That's, that's really not what it's for. Um, everything that is done is designed in such a way as to try to encourage all of us to be worshiping together with the Lord. And something that you may not be paying attention to is there's a very different uh, philosophy behind private worship and corporate worship. Corporate worship means we're all together, right? So group worship, let's call it group worship because maybe the corporate thing throws you off. The big difference between individual worship or private worship and group worship is that in private worship, it's just you and Jesus. And as a matter of fact, for private worship, you need a minimization of distraction. 
You want to cut everything else out. It could be you and your kitchen just kind of spinning on the little little wax floor there, right, for the Lord, and you're just worshiping like crazy, and you're vacuuming, or maybe you're just hanging in your car, and, and the windows are totally down until somebody drives up, and you roll the windows back up, right? <laughs> Private worship is minimized distraction, just you and Jesus. Corporate worship is not. Corporate worship is a, actually a different philosophy. Distraction is part of it. Distraction is on purpose because when you come into a group, you're supposed to be aware of your surroundings. You're not supposed to come in and block us out, right? Where you kind of go, oh, pretend they're not here, pretend they're not here. No, 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 no. We're here and we're singing with you. And as a matter of fact, that creates a very different dynamic because what it stops is the feeling of, man, I was totally in my groove and that person hijacked me. No, 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 no. They're supposed to hijack you. They are here to stimulate you to think differently and to go, you know what? This isn't just about one individual believer. This is about a group. This is about a family. And so sometimes you got someone that is going to come in and they're going to do a declarative shout to God, right? So all of a sudden somebody's going to be saying something. They're going to go, yeah, right? And you're like, what in the world? Why are you yelling at me, right? You yell right over my shoulder. Is Allie, where's my yellers in here? Where's, where, where, where's Allie in here? Yeah, come on. We need some yellers, right? Now, here's what's so funny. If it comes from the stage, if Jake backs off and goes, woo, and yells, everyone's like, oh, totally normal. If anybody else does it, it's like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing, right? Okay, the point of the Bible saying, give the Lord a shout of praise. That's the idea. It's going, man, I am pumped up and I'm yelling. It's the same way that a, at whether it's a ball game or whatever, and you're just going, woo! and you're just yelling and shouting. It's celebration and joy and going, yes, that is my God. And so when we come into a corporate environment, please have the mindset that you're supposed to see people doing things in front of you and dancing and all this. Last night, we had the special opportunity where there was a little one sitting in the very front row. And the minute we started worshiping, she started dancing all over the place. Y'all, I want you to have that mindset. It's not, she wasn't doing it for show. She wasn't doing it for any bad reasons. She was doing it because when you kick music on in a kindergarten classroom, you get kids going ballistic. Why? Because we were built to dance. We were built to sing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but I also want to encourage you, uh, you have walked into a different environment. This is not like your car. This is not like home. This is a multi-sensory environment. Uh, they built the temple. The Jews built the temple with the Lord's guidance to be a multi-sensory environment. The priest would go into the holy place and he would have bells on the bottom of his robe. And so there'd be a tinkling sound at all times to remind him that he was before the Lord. There was an incense altar burning at all times so he could smell a very heavy smell of incense. Because remember, there's no windows it was just like bacon in there, right? I mean, just, I, I won't use any. Okay, forget it. Did you say bacon? Uh, no, I was not going to go there. I'm changing. Don't distract me, Satan. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Is it because I have a red beard? Yeah, yes, among other reasons. Anyway, when you were in there, he even had a table of showbread where he would break off pieces and he would eat the bread in the holy place, meaning that even his taste was engaged. So his, his sense of smell, his sense of taste, he was doing physical things for tactile. He had auditory and he had a lampstand that was shimmering around the gold in the room. So at all times he had a visual representation. 
In the same way, we have tried to create a multi-sensory environment for you. That when you walk in, there is a lighting team. Did you know that? That the lighting team's whole heart and focus is how can I more appropriately cause all of us to engage with God more. That's what they do. So they're thinking, what is the right wash for this? Let's say we're all going to try to cool everybody out and we're going to just sit in the goodness of God. You know what? Boom, blue lights all the way across the stage. What are we going to do if maybe it's intense? We're going to bring up the lights. What are we going to do when we're trying to minimize distractions, bring down the lights? At all times, they're thinking ahead to go, what would be best to help connect you? Now you may go, well, I don't know if that's really my thing. I'm just telling you the heart and the point of why they're doing what they're doing. Here's another thing. When you walk in here, a lot of people have asked me a question. They're like, was Smokers Anonymous in this room before we got here? Because like, boom, it was like, why is it so smoky? And you guys are using fog machines. And then I thought it wasn't supposed to be a concert. Okay, real quick. I played heavy metal in the 80s. I know fog machines. You know what I'm saying? All right. This is, uh, Jake pointed out last night that, uh, I had long hair. Everybody knows I used to have long hair. Pastor death. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when I cut it, I, I like Samson, I lost all of my power. And, uh, so I became corporate like this. So anyway, this is what happened. So anyway, I know fog machines, fog machines. You guys have to understand there's a big difference between a fog machine and a haze machine. Fog is to pump out fog that's heavy and stays on the ground. So you look like you're walking through hell, right? That's, that's kind of a fog machine. That is not what we have here. It's not what we're doing. We have what's called a haze machine and it only has one purpose to help the lighting because what, if you ever want a spotlight on something, you have to have the light in order to catch an edge. It has to have a particle to grab onto. Something has to be in the air for the light to hang onto. You will not see any edges of light if there is no haze. So if you're trying to create something that the light is saying, boom, focus here, you have to have the haze in the air or won't grab it. It disperses and does not keep a tight beam. Are we all following? So what they do is before we come in here, they pump out to try to let it drift across all the atmosphere and then they shut it off and it's just hanging in the air so that the lighting can use it. Then it dissipates. They're not trying to do it. Oh, he's coming on to preach. Boom. And they hit the machine again, right? (laughs) There's none of that. I tried when we first got this building to have one where I'd raise up out of the stage and there would just be like billowing smoke and everything. And I was like, yeah, right. And anyway, we didn't have the money. So that, lower you from the ceiling. that would be so awesome. Or I'd be on cables. That'd be so good. Get stuck <laughs> right. Right. So, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to address, uh, Danielle and Jake, uh, just for a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the power of music, but can we just appreciate that Jake is our worship leader puts in so much effort every weekend to try to make it a wonderful experience. Just saying. You're kind of a big deal. Uh, we really appreciate you. And, and at the same time, uh, kind of like when I'm not in the pulpit and all of a sudden we have this heavy hitter come in, you know, Bishop Parnell or Pastor Brian. I mean, we have this incredible cast of powerful teachers. Well, in the same way, Brian is backed up by some pretty extraordinary worship leaders. We have one of them here with us. Can we appreciate Danielle? <laughs> 
I asked her to be up here with me because I believe that she has a very passionate heart for the Lord. She's very articulate. She's very, very gifted. And I think that every time she leads us, like a lot of our other uh, women leaders, she brings in a different element that is very, very powerful in our midst. And so I needed to have her represented up here. But let me just share one more thing and then I'm going to get to some questions for you guys or just whatever you want to talk about, right? Um, Music... I believe is supernatural. Now we can say that God uses it to tie into what is superhuman, but I I, I want you to know that what we are doing here is not merely singing a song. We are not coming together for a kumbaya. We're not coming here as a concert. We're actually engaging with something that is supernatural. How do I know that? Well, because it's in God's word. So let me share two stories that kind of blew my mind and it will maybe change your perception of what is happening in these first 40 minutes or 35 minutes of worship. Uh, Do y'all remember the story of King David and King Saul? Y'all know that story? Well, David first came in to help out Saul because God had pulled his Holy Spirit from him and had sent an evil spirit to torment him. Now let that bend your theology for a moment, right? Okay, so here's what it says. 1 Samuel 16, 23. And whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took his instrument, the lyre, played it with his hand, and Saul was refreshed and made well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. Notice that what David didn't do is he didn't pray over him. David didn't talk to him. David didn't read scripture to him. David played for him. That there was something in the worship, there was something powerful that changed the atmosphere and chased away that which was not of God. One of the coolest things I think that we have the opportunity to do is as we engage our hearts together and group or corporately raise up worship to God, we transform our environment into something here on earth as it is in heaven. In other words... We don't know everything about what we're going to do in heaven, but we do know that angels sing there. And we do know that they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Therefore, if we do that stuff, we know for sure in this moment, it is here on earth as it is in heaven. And I think it is so beautiful that someone who has been harassed during the week or someone that has had some demonic oppression or someone that is just having spiritual warfare can come into a safe place where all of a sudden they're in an atmosphere of worship saturated by the power of the Holy Spirit and they can feel at peace. Amen. And it's not the team's job to lay that foundation. It's our job. We are all participants. One other passage. I thought this was amazing. Y'all remember Elijah, the guy that called down fire from heaven? Well, he handed off to his right-hand man, a man named Elisha. And Elisha got a double portion of what Elijah had. Well, the king came to him one time and the king was kind of not a good guy. And Elisha was pretty resistant. And the king said, should we go to war as Israel or not? Well, after hemming and hawing, he said, fine, I'll do it. But here's how I have to do it. Check this out. Second Kings 315. But now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus saith the Lord. In other words, he didn't prophesy until the worship kicked in. The minute the worship kicked in, his spirit opened up and bam, God came through. 
What I'm trying to tell you is I don't believe we are simply singing songs. I think we are connecting to the heavenlies. I think we are doing something supernatural. I think that the way that God built us as humans is opening up and engaging with things far bigger than us. Is that, is that helpful? So to you, Jake, you're the one that's out here and kind of been tasked to say, what are we going to do this weekend? What are we going to do this weekend? What are we going to do this weekend? And you're designing for a purpose. What, what is that purpose? What do you want? Yeah. So, um, good question, pastor. So from the very, very, very beginning, um, when God created man and he breathed us into existence and he said it was good and he said it was right. Um, in the garden there, it was the way it was meant to be. We, we could know God and we, um, were to be known by God and we were to walk in intimacy with him, um, in the cool of the day or the cool of the night and things were right. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be able to come before the Lord bare and honest. Um, he sees us and he knows us and we're, we're supposed to be with him. That's our whole design is to be with him. And so it's a simple answer. Um, and there's a lot of layers to it that we could dive into at a different time. But the simple answer is that every time I come out here, um, or honestly, every time I, I try to approach anything, it's with the mindset that we were made to, to know him and to be known. So to know God is to, um, to acknowledge who he is here. Like that's, that's something that we'll always do. We're always going to declare who God is in this room. We're always going to, even if it's small, something so simple, um, you'll leave here saying, God, here's who you are. Because that's what we were supposed to do. And also, we're going to stand before him and go, God, this is, this is all of me. You can have every part of me. And I just want to encourage you that if your gift today to the Lord is way smaller than you were able to give yesterday, it's still worth giving. It's still good. It's still right. He wants it. He wants every part of it. And so if every part of what you can give is 100% or 10%, Give it all because that's what we were meant for. God is good all the time. He loves you. You were made on purpose and you were made for him. So my only objective is to have that truth be true in this room every time we sing. Yeah, amen. That's super good. Um, whenever you say that, it reminds me, uh, you know, God formed Adam from the dirt and then he breathed his, his air, his breath into him and he became a living being. And it seems appropriate that the breath he breathed in, we should then breathe out in praise. Does that make any sense? And what I'm saying is kind of that song, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, right? And so, Danielle, uh, kind of as right before we get ready to do some praise here, uh, how about some opening thoughts kind of just in terms of your passion for worship, why it's a big deal to you, why it was a part of your life. You've kind of dedicated uh, a huge portion of your life and existence to worship. So give us some insights. Um, I mean, scripture talks constantly about worship and praise, praising and, and is referenced, I think over 400 times, there's actually 50 direct commands to sing in scripture. And we were born to worship. And so I've always known that I was born to worship. It's how I felt I can connect with God on a, a deep level. And, um, I've always felt called to lead a worship through music. Um, but I do want to just touch on something on kind of a practical level. Um, I've kind of felt like it through my own journey and just, um, 
being a Christian my most of my life, I've noticed that we kind of fall on different ends of the spectrum sometimes in church. And on one end of the spectrum are those that really love music and feel connected to God through music. And you come and you are ready to worship. And I found myself going too far on that end of the spectrum at some times where I've become reliant upon the music to connect me to God, or I can't worship if it's not the style of music I like because I'm dependent upon the music to move me. And then on the other end of the spectrum are those that come to hear the word of God. And that's the most important. And they almost kind of endure the music until they get to what they really came here for. And in those instances, I think sometimes we can tend to almost fear the emotion that music can bring up because can we all agree that music is an emotional thing? It stirs our emotion. It's a universal language. And sometimes I think there's, um, the desire to kind of stunt that because we don't want it to be disingenuous. We don't want to just be responding emotionally to the sound of the instruments. We really want to make sure worship is genuine. And so I found myself on both sides of that at times in my life. And I think that genuine worship is when we come and we meet somewhere in the middle and we recognize that God gave us music to serve the word of God and to heighten it and to give us a deeper connection with his word. So if we can find ourselves somewhere in the middle there, I think that's really where genuine worship lies. Yeah, no, that's super good. As you guys get ready to go ahead and do our next uh, couple songs of praise, um, one thing that we look for at Bridgeway, and I, I would love that everybody would bake this into your heart and your mind, what we really, really want, both Jake, myself, the other pastors and leaders on the team, is we want engagement. But I need you to understand that you, everyone's engagement is going to look different. So some of you are introverted and you're shy and your engagement is 100%, but it's not as out loud as everybody else. I want you to know it's honoring to the Lord. I want you to know that it's beautiful. We don't have to see it. We just have to know that in your heart, it matters. Some of you are very, very expressive and, you, and it's much easier to know when you're all in, but making sure that you keep that genuine. We just want true engagement. And the other thing that I'll say is we trans, transition and we'll invite our dancers and worshipers and everything to come forward as in a moment we're all gonna stand. Here's, I, I don't believe that the worship set is the prelude to the meat. I don't believe that the worship set is the intro to the message. As a matter of fact, what I would love is for anyone to be able to come to either half of the sermon and be full. I mean, excuse me, either half of the service. I want them to be full. Let's say you, you come just for the music. At the end of that 35 minutes, I hope you have so engaged with God that you are full and he is praised. And if you went home at that moment, you're good. Let's say you just came, didn't have any worship. You just came and engaged with the word of God and hearing the life and the truth and all the good stuff that comes out of God's word. I would hope that you're full and that you feel like you've, that's sufficient. But above all things, engage. Remember, we are ministering to the audience of one. Let's get our eyes on him. Let's praise, yeah? Stand up and everyone, if you want to come on up, feel free. Man, man, 
grab it. Grab a seat real quick. Grab a seat. Uh, or you can stand the entire time. It's just exhausting. Uh, what a beautiful time of praise and adoration. And we're going to talk a little bit about adoration here in a moment. But I want to one of the things that really prompted me to have this weekend was opening up understanding about expressions of worship. I think that all of us maybe have come from backgrounds where clapping is normal, like we're in environments where, yeah, you clap for somebody or you clap to the beat and the rhythm and stuff like that. Um, But there's a lot of things also that happen in um, Christian culture that sometimes we don't fully understand. I would just like to create a little bit of understanding around that. Um, And one of them is song selection. Every church has to have a certain groove and they stick with it because you can't keep jerking everybody around. What happens is everybody says, well, can you do this type of song? Can you do this type of song? Can you do this type of song? Um, yeah, that's good. Huh? Nice reminder. Yeah, that's good. Uh, he was, he was showing me something that's not so subtle that was telling us what we're going to do next, but hold on one second. (laughs) Hold on one second. Um, in our, in our song selection, we have to make a choice to go on with some type of groove. And otherwise, it'd be like you have this amazing bluegrass band that you're all into, and their next album is thrash metal. You know what I'm saying? You'd be like, wait, what? Come on. Like, that was my band. That's who I stick with, right? That's what I play, you know. And so what ends up happening is it becomes disjointed. So some people go, can we do these hymns here? And then we can do this here. And then we'll go old school, we'll go integrity, we'll go Maranatha, we'll go this and this, you know. And you start jumping all over the place. What it ends up doing is kind of creating chaos. So in general, churches will pick with a similar flavor and they'll move forward. What I would like to do today is talk about why that is and then open up some opportunity for us to begin to morph and change along with the Lord. So here's, here's what I, we need to do real quick beforehand. Could I have the ushers come forward? We're going to receive our tithes and offerings. The reason why we do this during the worship time is it's an act of worship. Worship is anything that attributes worth to God. This is the time where we say, God, I don't want greed to take a hold of me. I want you to know that I realize I have everything only because you gave it to me. I want to honor you as my king. I want to sow into your kingdom. I want to pour into your local church. I want to support what you're into, God. So we give back to you freely during this time. So let me just pray for our offering as we're passing the baskets. Heavenly Father. Uh, It is abundantly clear since day one that unless you do loaves and fishes thing, we're not going to exist as a church anymore. God, you have to learn how, uh, teach us how to stretch a dollar. You have to teach us how to manage and be good stewards. But we're very clear, Lord, that there is a miraculous aspect. There's a supernatural aspect to all of this. And that is when we take our offerings and gather it and put it in your hands, It does different things than in our hands. So, Lord, we willingly open up our hands and hand it over to you. Be glorified and praised and may it fulfill all that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so when we end up selecting out kind of a style for the church, we in general are going with the, the mainstream, the largest group of us. So for example, we do a lot of songs that maybe you would hear on The Fish or you'd hear on K-Love, stuff like that. That is the majority. The reason why those particular uh, stations are still on the air 
is because they have supportership and because they have the largest segment of people. So when you go to a lot of churches and you hear that type of music, oh, it's another Bethel song, it's Jesus culture, oh, it's, it's uh, passion, oh, it's this type, um, you need to understand why those churches are doing that because it is the majority, the majority of young families. You go, well, that's not really my style. Here's the thing that I think that is so important for us to remember when we walk in here. If we're not going to a concert, then we need to change our minds about what we are walking into because it may not be your style of music at all. I can be very honest with you that the style that we do here, I can worship to it, but it's not my music style, right? I mean, I've been very clear about that. You know, when I'm going down the road, I don't, I don't pop in this type of worship music. To, it's, it's a little bit hard for me because when I turn on this type of music because of how I've been trained, I instantly have to go into an offering mode. I go into a, oh, we're doing this as a family. We're gathering together. Oh, now we're all lifting up one big offering to the Lord. I'm all in, right? Because I want to be a part of what God's doing here. Whether or not if it's something that I go, yeah, I love this song, love this melody, love this harmony, you know, that kind of thing. That's not the most important part. So um, there's a couple other behind the scenes things about how you have to rewrite songs and how you guys adjust things in order for a group to do the song. So like, for example, sometimes your the songs repeat. Sometimes they're not like they are on the CD. Sometimes there's this, you know, kind of high going off sound, you know, vocal, and we're not doing that here. So why do you make the changes you do? Why do you orchestrate the way you do? And I'd love for both of you to answer that. Sure. Yeah. So um, for for me, the... If, if the lyrics are a miss, then everything's a miss. Um, cause that's ultimately what, I mean, those are the words that we're singing and I'll never forget this. I, I was talking to a mentor like a long time ago and, and he was saying that oftentimes when people leave a service, um, they'll remember lyrics to a song more than they'll remember specific quotes from the teaching. And that's a huge responsibility. Like we're putting words in your mouth that you like, how many of you can remember songs from when you're like five years old? Like, it's crazy how much we retain that. And so in every decision, whether it, and we have rewritten lyrics to songs, um, some, because either like the theology is a little weird or it's just not clear. And that's the other thing. Like we want to make sure that what we're singing is clear, uh, for the majority at large, we're always trying to cast the widest net possible, um, so that we can come into agreement together. And if it's too confusing or if it doesn't line up with what we believe is scriptural, uh, then we'll change it. And to address the, the repetition, cause some of us, I think we're like, why are we singing the same line a million times in a row? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and in terms of, in terms of that, just to address that real quick, um, for me, it's, it's about two things. Sometimes I have to say something over and over and over and over and over again in order for my heart to catch up. Is anybody else like that? Like sometimes you have to just like command your spirit to agree with this and you got to say it a bunch of times before you're like, I got it. I totally got it now. Um, so that's one reason why, why repeat another reason why repeat, and this is sort of a, a long-term repetition thing for me, but, um, I tell my wife every single day that I love her. She knows that I love her, but sometimes I have to remind myself, like saying, I love you every day reminds me that I love her because we need to do that. We need to constantly remind our spirits what's true. And so repetition, I think for me is that, so I know you don't want to go down there no, that, a little bit, but that's exactly, does that answer your no, question overall? Perfect. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, and, and Danielle, in terms of having to adjust songs for the Mass, how does that work? Well, we, we try to choose songs that can be sung generally by everybody, songs that have a, a simple chorus that you can quickly catch on to so you're not reading a million lyrics trying to figure out the, the funky melody. Um, so there's a, you know, practicality in it, how we're choosing songs. The types of songs we're choosing, we try to represent all sorts of different conversations we can have with the Lord. We choose songs about lamenting over our sin um, and realizing the need for a Savior. We choose songs over the sacrifice on the cross and the redemption we have in Jesus. We choose songs celebrating the victory victory we have over sin the coming of a, our king and so there's practical ways you know that we go about um deciding what we're going to sing corporately together here and i think on the repetition part i mean music has such a powerful way of sinking into the soul i know that there's been times where i've just desperately needed a word from god and um, the lyric to a song comes to mind and it's, it's scripture through song. And I think there's something so powerful about music. There's something powerful about slowing down, um, and just really soaking in the word, the song, it is well, for example, saying the words, it is well with my soul doesn't sink in quite as much as singing. It is well with my soul. And taking like 10 seconds to say the line is just, there's something beautiful about music. And I think that's why God gave that gift. And that's a long way to answer maybe your question. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was fantastic. The, I kind of like it when she sings it better than when I say it. You know what I'm saying? But whatever. We should have cool. you sing it. Yeah, let's not. Okay. <laughs> Um, th there's a bunch of different types of songs and, 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 and what happens is you end up selecting out how to sing a song based on what you're trying to do that day. So for example, if you were trying to proclaim to the world, let's say we were going to have a concert and it was outside and it was going to be observed by a lot of people that don't know the Lord. Well, then you would probably do proclamation statements. You'd probably do theological statements. You'd probably say things about God and explaining God and stuff like that. But if you're in an intimate environment with friends and family and they're all believers, you'll tend to not so much proclaim outside, but you'll tend to be talking a little bit more simple of saying, I don't want to read a hymnal. I don't want to read a sheet. I don't want to read the lyrics. I want to close my eyes and get into Jesus. So it's got to be simple and easy and quick. Um, we also change things it, like you'll move down uh, an octave because people can't sing where this is, or you'll do that. So all I'm saying is there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to make sure that we can sing together. Um, one other piece on that is that, have you ever thought about using the first 35 minutes as powerful prayer time? For you, whenever I see lyrics up there, I think, oh, the whole church is praying that. So I'm going to say it along with them because I love to pray my own things. And whenever they go off on a guitar solo, I call that free prayer time, right? <laughs> Where it's kind of like, there's nothing going on up there. I can just go off on the Lord, right? And just talk about all kinds of stuff. But when we're all singing the songs, I'm praying it and praying it and praying it over and over in my head. And just so that I can, gr I can kind of do it as a group. I know you're praying it and I want to agree with you. So I see a lot of our worship songs as prayer time, prayer time. Yeah. Um, a couple other things, uh, as I said, each church has their own flavor and why they do what they do. And all of them are beautiful. Let me, let me give you an, an example, typical conservative church. It tends to be a bit more on the white side, but typical conservative church, usually the focus is 
Humility, respect, and honor of God. Humility, respect, and honor of God. So what do you mean? Well, it's saying God is great and lifted up. And right now it's not about me. Right now it's all about him. Humility, respect, and honor. And you go, is that beautiful? Yeah, that's really beautiful. So for example, older congregations will tend to say, because of that reason, I'm going to be a bit more reserved and I'm going to open up some theology in my hymnal. I'm going to start just soaking my mind in who God is. I'm going to block everything else out and I'm just going to have respect for my Lord. How awesome is that? Incredible. The younger generation that comes from that conservative side, unfortunately tends sometimes to slip into an observation and they choose a church based on good music, good music. Well, that we got to be careful of that. But sometimes that church is also saying, I don't know if I necessarily am supposed to get up and move around because really this is about the Lord. I love the kindness. I love the respect. I love the humility. All of that is beautiful. Well, at the same time, if you go into a charismatic church, the focus is different. The selection of songs and how they handle things and their worship style is different. Why? Because their focus is drinking it all in, seeking more of God and a longing for his presence to be in their life. So it's going to change. You're all of a sudden going to see them crying and able to move around and reaching out for God and their arms are high and they're, they're laying on their face before God. It's much more expressive because it comes from a desperation place of God. I need more of you, but isn't that beautiful? The typical African-American experience, if you go to like, for example, some churches that are predominantly black, if you go to COP, uh, stuff like that, you're going to see a different groove. Why? Because the typical African-American experience in worship, I was talking with Bishop about this, the primary groove is celebration of their God. Here's why. Man, life is hard. Life is hard. I'm not bringing that in here. I'm leaving that at the doors. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk into this building where my God is good. Everyone agrees my God is good. Therefore, when I get in here, I'm going to celebrate in his presence. I'm going to dance before my Lord. I'm going to shout and be excited. And I'm going to forget all the other stuff because the glory of God outweighs whatever I'm going through right now. My God is a rescuer. My God is mighty. And there's a jumping and play. You know, isn't that beautiful? So as opposed to us saying, you know what, well, we got to have that one groove. What I would love and what I'm trying to express to you is I would love to allow the beauty of all those traditions to come into Bridgeway. I would love for us to not just be stuck in one area. I would love to be able to have anyone that comes in from either a charismatic environment, a conservative environment, you know, an African-American background of the, that type of church to come in and go, boom, this is home. This feels like my house. This feels like my place. We got a little bit to grow on that, right? But we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, okay. So there's a bunch of things raising hands and why we do it and all that. I, I assume that a lot of, you know, I'll put my notes online in case that you're not aware, but, but Jake, I want to talk to you for a moment about, um, what expressions you think are good and encouraged. And I know you have such an open heart and say, whatever you bring is good, but I think there's some more to that. Yeah. So I, I love talking about expression. Um, the, the Bible is filled with like, it's filled with expressions of worship. It talks about, you know, we can read on the surface and talks about things like clapping and shouting and singing and kneeling down and all these things. But what's, what's really cool. And I I just want to take a a couple minutes to talk about this because 
when I found this out, um, it, it opened up my eyes so much, even to how I read scripture. And, um, as somebody who is very expressive, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, this, this really like transformed and changed me. So when we read the word praise in scripture, um, praise is an action word and praise is kind of like the word love. We all know that when we read the word love, like there's a lot of different kinds of love and knowing which kind of love we're talking about, whether it's God's love or whether it's love for a brother or sister, like that changes how we read the scripture. Well, praise is similar in that there are seven different words that all equal praise. Like we see praise, but it means one of seven different things. And so I just want to real quick, real quick read through these. Um, and then we'll, and then I'll answer your question. But so there's seven of them. The first one, and I'm, this is no particular order, but the first one is yada. Yada is a word for praise, and it means to worship with the extended hand in adoration, surrender. We probably see that one in this room the most. We have hands lifted. And, and the next one is tehillah, which means to sing, to laud a spontaneous new song, to sing a spontaneous new song. You're familiar with, with the scripture where it talks about God inhabiting the praises of his people. That word praise is this word tehillah, a spontaneous new song in the spirit. You guys were commanded to do that. That's crazy. Um, the next one is the word barak, which means to kneel down in adoration or reverence, to humble yourself before the king. Next one, halal, uh, which sounds like hallelujah. That's where we get hallelujah from. To boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish, to be clamorously foolish, when it talks about, you know, David and scripture dancing wildly before the Lord, it's halal. Sometimes I think that we come here and we think like, oh, I got to just sit in my chair and be still. Sometimes, yes, because it talks about the, another way to describe it is raging for the Lord, raging for the Lord. That's incredible. That's in scripture. You guys Toda. To worship, it's another one to lift the hand, but I love this so much. To worship by the extension of the hand in thanksgiving, agreeing with what has been done or what will be. Giving thanks before even receiving it. Yeah, Giving awesome. thanks before you even receive it. God, I know that you're the healer. Thank you for healing me. Like just being able to do that, be, to be able to say, Lord, even if I don't see it now, I know you're still good. So I'll thank you for it in this moment. That's incredible. You guys, we get the, we get to posture our hearts like that to the Lord. Two more Zamar, which is to sing with instruments, to play music. That's just one of the many things that we get to do. And then the last one, Shabak, which is to address in a loud tone to triumph. I know some of you love to do that. I am a, I'm like totally that guy. I yell all the time because that's what's, that is what is naturally coming out. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to say. So I'm going to scream my face off for the Lord. And so my, my point is, and I would encourage you guys to, to dive more into that because it's really fascinating. Just like go through the Psalms and highlight all the different kinds of praise and figure out which one it's talking about. But the point, and to answer your question is this. There are so many ways to express ourselves in worship to the Lord. Singing is one of them, but there are so many ways to express. And here we highlight a few of them. We have people who dance. We, we have a huge creative team that creates for the Lord, and they love to say, God, I love you through their art. Um, we have people who love to sing and all this. This is your home, and you are allowed to worship freely. 
And I really like, I really mean that you are allowed to tell God, I love you so much. And this is how in this moment, my heart needs to say it. And so if you need to shout, shout, if you need to cry, cry, if you need to stand on your chair, we'll buy a new one. Just do whatever, but worship God freely because guys, he is so good to us. He is so good to us. And we get to respond. We get to be in relationship with a God who made everything. He made everything and he sees you. He loves you. And so I would just encourage you worship. However, it comes out, follow the conviction of your heart, but worship. Amen. That's good. That's super good. Judith, uh, can we appreciate the artists that are up here? So Judith runs a lot of our art stuff and the art expressions and, and worship that way. And so can you help us a little bit on what you two ladies are doing? We have a lot of different artists. Um, but why are you on stage? Why are you up here when the worship is going on, when we're preaching? What, what is this about? Okay, good, good question. Um, I get asked that a lot, actually. What are you doing? Um, so some of us, um, the way we interact with God, when, when we read the scripture, uh, we get pictures. God just talks to us in pictures. I've gotten pictures um, during sermons before, you know, just boom. Um, and and then this is how we speak back to him. So we can, of course, do that um, and often do in our private worship. Um, and so I was praying and saying, okay, why am I doing this on stage, God? And um, it was real clear. It was like, you're another tool. We're another tool um, to be used by the Holy Spirit to minister to the people um, out in the congregation who are also visually oriented. Um, it's, I was just having a discussion with a gal. The first time I came here, um, there was children's visual art shown, um, real simple drawings for the Christmas thing. And it touched my heart in a way I, I can't even express. It literally brought tears to my eyes. Um, so that's what hopefully we're doing for other people as well. Amen. Thank you so much for you and your team. You know, Danielle, you have a famous phrase about what worship is. Say that, say that phrase again. You said you say it so much it's irritating. It's probably irritating, but I'm going to keep saying it. Uh, worship is our response to the revelation of who God is. Yeah. Yeah. So even when we look at this artwork, it's God gave me a revelation. He said something to me, and this is my expression. And so I'm going to pour out on a canvas. I'm going to do something to visually represent that. Uh, there's one other um, expression that I would like to highlight out because I think it's an increasing expression here and I would like it to increasingly be so but we need to understand a little bit more and that is dance um, that and I, and I know we referred to it a little bit earlier I don't know what we did earlier in the service and what we didn't do I don't, it's all running together um, but but as I said that when you turn on music in a kindergarten classroom and little ones just dance and they're not dancing for any other reason that they were built to dance they, and they love to dance. And so I believe that as Jake has shared from his heart, he believes that we are all singers. He said it has become unfortunate. I'm talking as if you're not here. It, was, it has become unfortunate that we now look at singers as being the professional ones that can do it better. As a matter of fact, we were all made to be singers. Is that correct? Would you agree with that? I took it from you. No, I, yeah, I, re I think that 
unfortunately, we have turned singing into entertainment. Um, but I think, I mean, I think we were designed. I honestly think that everyone can sing. And if you sound not good, praise God for you. Keep singing. Really, I, I think we were meant for it. And that's Amen. why I think that's why it says make a joyful noise, not a beautiful noise. Yeah. Right. Oh. oh. That was good. That was good. You know how you know when that little girl danced, it would be so horrible if her dad said, "Man, your technique is terrible," and shut her down. You understand what I'm saying? Like you would go, "That is." horrific. Why would you even do that? Okay. But we do that as well to ourselves, right? We're doing this whole judgment thing of, well, you sang out for the Lord. Oh, it wasn't in the right. Perfect key. It wasn't this stop. God loves his kids doing what they were built to do. So in dance, I believe that we're all built to be dancers. Now, some of us are six, three and awkwardly white. Now that, uh, there's, uh, I'm just telling you right now that for me doing the dance, it, it is more distracting. We'll say than for other people. But that doesn't mean that I can't dance before the Lord. And so I got a chance to go to Uganda and saw a whole new level uh, that I know this whole idea of where we come to church and we kind of hang out and we're a little bit more contained is not the majority around the world. Um, the churches around the world actually do it very, very differently. And so in Uganda, I watched them dance and dance and dance. And then when they were done dancing, they danced some more. And so I asked two ladies, cause I was noticing that even in church, when they would dance, it was like they were dancing just to get their groove on. Like <laughs> I, I was like, I don't even know if this is attached to the worship song. It's like, they're just having fun and they're high-fiving each other. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? So I asked them, I said, why do you dance in church? I got two brilliant responses. Asked the first young lady, 21 years old, uh, lawyer, beautiful, expressive, intelligent. And I said, why do you dance? She said, you know, Pastor Lance, here's why. She said, I love to dance. It's in my blood. It's everything that I love. But I don't feel that I can do what all my friends do. I don't feel appropriate going to the clubs. But I have nowhere else to dance. And so what I found out was that when I come to church and I'm finally in a safe environment, that I can dance with all abandon and I can dance with just me and my Jesus and my friends and we can celebrate and pour it all out for him. Isn't that awesome? What are you going to argue with that, right? The, the second lady, amazing woman of God, I said, why do you dance? She said, well, if you remember, Pastor praise is really about expressing and telling other people how great God is. I can't imagine a better way than to express, not that they're going to try to read my mind or they're going to read my heart about how much I think God is. I'm going to show them how great my God is. And I'm going to go in and do what I was built to do. And I'm going to celebrate in his presence, but I'm going to do it outwardly so that everyone knows, man, look how good God is here. Lauren, we had a talk, right? Yeah. Uh, Lauren is one of our, uh, expressive dancers and we were talking out in the lobby and I said, I said, Lauren, why do you, why do you dance? And what she said was fascinating to me. She said, if I'm going to try to communicate who God is to me or what I'm experiencing in worship, words fail me. I do not believe that I can say it right. I'll get tongue tied. I won't be able to share fully what it means to me. And the only way the most honest expression of who God is to me comes through dance. I have to, yeah, isn't that cool? Is that correct? And she said, I feel like it's the least misunderstood way that I can communicate 
who my God is. And, and I just, so here's what I'm trying to tell you is that a lot of times you'll see, see things going on around you and you won't quite know why they're doing what they're doing. There's a reason and it's beautiful. One last thing that I'll say on this piece and then I'll turn over to, to um, Danielle here and then we'll get ready to do our last set of worship is you guys, there are some expressions here that we don't see a lot. Um, it doesn't mean that they're not legit. Um, I remember the first time I tried to find out what in the world flag waving was about. Anybody been around flag wavers? Yeah, flag wavers, right? And I mean, trust me, if you're that expressive, you can make a flag out of anything, man. There's just like handkerchiefs flying. And, and, and sometimes it's just celebration before the Lord. And it's a bit like contemporary dance where it's an extension of your arm. That if you're going to praise and you have a flag, it's an extension. It's almost like a, a bigger view of what's going on in your heart. However, there's other reasons to, that they do flag waving as well. And we do a couple. Sometimes in worship nights, we'll have flag wavers come in. Uh, sometimes in our worship service, they'll be in the back. There's a reason why they're not in the front. I'll tell you why. But here's what they're doing. A lot of them take a certain type of banner. If it's an official banner that has a symbol of God on it, they're waving it is very similar to the old school, Old Testament representation of a banner on the battlefield. That you carry the banner of your God and your king and you wave it and say, for all enemies beware. My God is in the house. Amen, right? Where you are notifying the enemy, you need to back up. And I'm going to take this territory. Nobody else is allowed to be here. This is a Jesus house. This is a, and so they wave the flag and it's almost like an anointing to just pour over the congregation saying, God, protect my loved ones, protect the ones that sit next to me for this is your atmosphere. This is your kingdom right here in this place. So once again, the reason why we don't have them up front is they are actually the physically largest expression. And when you do it up front, it ends up blocking everybody else from seeing what's going on and trying to engage. So we tend to have them a little bit further in the back. If you're a flag waver, that's kind of why we do that. It's not that we don't like you. It's not that we don't love you or we're ashamed of you. It is simply that when you wave, dang, you're like 10 feet tall. Okay. So just understand that. Um, so coming back to the final piece, uh, Miss Danielle, and then we're going to set up some communion here. And then I'll let you guys go back and get ready. You can talk about anything you want right now. I mean, you have a lot, you have a lot of stuff on your heart. So maybe just share whatever the Lord has put on your heart that you feel that we need to know about worship. Or if nothing's coming to mind, just tell us why, why this is so important to you. Why you would dedicate your life to this. Good question. You didn't tell me you're going to ask me that. Um, Stick with the first part. Uh, yeah. Talk about whatever. <laughs> Talk about whatever. Um, I, I mean, like I said before, worship is our response to the revelation of who God is. And so I think as worship leaders, our job is to give you the reveal, to reveal who God is. And um, however you best respond to that is how we want you to respond. But we want you to respond because how could we have this revelation of who God is and do nothing? And so if you're sitting there with your head bowed and you are engaging in intimate prayer time with the Lord, then do that. And if you're up front dancing, 
do that. But we want you to engage because we are revealing who our great and mighty King is. And we were created to respond. Amen. No, that's so good. Uh, how about you guys go ahead and get ready for a last set. We're, we got two more songs uh, coming in here, but I would like to bring forward our team that's going to hand out um, the communion. And uh, by all means, you guys can stay there. You guys can hang here and be in worship with me up front. I was hoping somebody would do that. Um, but we're going to bring forward our ushers who are going to deliver the communion. And we're going to take it on our own today because this is a tangible tactile way to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross. What we are saying in this moment is, Lord, I don't want to move one more step forward without acknowledging your incredible sacrifice. So we give you this little bit of matzah cracker representing the body of Jesus, a little bit of juice that represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for the remission of sins. In other words, that when you take that, you say the whole reason why I can worship right now is because you have set me free. You have made things right between me and the Father. You have paid for what I should have paid for, and I am clean, I am accepted, I am forgiven, and I am washed. So, if we could have the team come forward and distribute that out, like I said, if you're in the groove of the Lord right when it comes to you, boom, take it right then, get all into worship. If you want to wait till the next song, we got two last songs that we're going to close out on, and this is just a time to adore the Lord. So whatever posture is natural and normal for you, by all means, let's do that. Let's worship. Y'all, we're going to dismiss. And I just want to pray a blessing over you. Before I do that, let me just give you two quick announcements you need to know as you walk out the door. One is that we need to be a church that knows each other better knows each other more and therefore in two weeks we're going to be launching our missional communities we're going to the signups just please have your hearts ready your cat your calendars ready right to be able to say i could i'd love to be able to get together with other people and know my church a little bit better on these days and we can do signups the second thing is that for all of you that are taking uh full advantage of all of our classes that we are launching this fall brilliant amazing classes all the way across the board any of them that have child care that you have need of today right now is the last time for you to register so make sure that if you have little ones and you want to be involved in classes that you would register in the lobby right now as you leave let's just pray a blessing heavenly father what a beautiful day to worship your name what a wonderful day to talk about how great you are what an amazing way for all of us to get on the same page and we just pray god that you would be glorified even greater in a more relaxed way in a more individual but united way here at bridgeway that god that we would change in all the right places so that all of us would be able to express and run and dance and joy with you God, you are good and wonderful, and we want to find a way to tell you. So, God, right now in this place, we say glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend.